Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily. How are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I'm good. I'm excited that we're going to be doing a little day drinking here. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> get excited any time we're drinking, you know, day, night, you know, morning. Exactly. exactly. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely afternoon and uh, bright sunny skies. Um, what, what more could we ask for, you know? And we're doing another recording in our remote studios. We're getting better at it, uh, and it's it's a yeah. lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, it's a nice day. I'm excited about our guest as well, too. So <gasps> I know I'm very thrilled that we're inviting Portia Anderson to come on and have a great conversation with us. She's a really inspiring woman that helps to empower women. Um, in their in their finances, and uh, she's a motivational speaker and a fashion designer. So all-around powerhouse woman here in St. Louis. Welcome, Portia. Welcome, ladies. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, sure. It's been so much fun. Um, I'm just excited to be here. So thank you, guys. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, thanks for making time in your schedule to uh, join us on Clearly Speaking, the podcast. We're excited to have you here. Uh, but before we get going, I know one of the things we always like to talk about is the wine that we're drinking. And since we're all in separate locations, let's talk about wine. We're going to have, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have three different bottles here. So, um, I am, because we're day drinking, I thought I'm going to pull out a rosé. So I have this Folie en Provence. I'll show you the bottle here. It's a provincial, um, rosé and it has that typical really light pink coloring. It's from 2017. I haven't really tasted this yet. So I'm going to have to, you know, get my nose in there, get my face (laughs) in it and let you know. Mm. I mean, it's delicious. It tastes like a provincial rosé. You know, it's very soft. It has some minerality to it. Some, um, it's very, yeah, it's very soft. Goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to let this marinade for a minute to really come to some notes, but a little kind of watermelon rind, a little strawberry. It's very fresh. What when you, you use the word soft, does that mean what what are you trying to describe? What do you say? It's a, a, like a, it's experience on the palate. It's just really it's it just very it, almost like water, you know, it's very okay. yes. Is it like um, a subtlety to it? Mm-hmm. A so- okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'll have to remember that as a way to describe a wine that doesn't necessarily like show up in your mouth with fireworks. Yeah, it right? doesn't grip on your tongue. It's it's just yes, it's very Okay. Pleasant. Okay. Well, today, because we're drink we're day drinking, I grabbed a white. Hold on. Oh, okay. It is a a Roussan from Muddy Arch. <gasps> oh, that is a delicious one. Yeah. We went to a wine tasting a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, at the wine ta- wine merchant and the, the makers were there. That's and, right. Um they have a St. Louis connection, but it is a California wine. Um, they're originally from St. Louis and they, uh, 
the Leonard Wine Company and they create the Muddy Arch. So you'll know mm-hmm. that it is a St. Louis, besides it being an arch on it, it's a, a St. Louis wine, wine family. And yeah, uh, I've had it before. It's a rare and voluptuous white wine. So I'm feeling rare and voluptuous myself. Oh, so. excellent. Gosh, it smells amazing. It smells rare and voluptuous. It says it. And I think it has a little bit of minerality on it as well. Oh. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect sunshine, outdoors, daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I recall correctly, people sometimes overlook the Roussan because they just keep going for like a, a Chardonnay. And I think this is a really good substitute mm-hmm. for if you're a Chardonnay drinker. It's got some nice body to it. Very nice body. Again, rare and voluptuous. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So that's what I'm uh, tasting today. Portia, what's in your glass? Oh, wow. So today what is in my glass, ladies, is some amazing water. I am (laughs) on my third week of keto and I've been doing amazing. However, I am imagining that this is a sweet red from Liberty Creek. One of my favorite wines of all time. So um, I really enjoy that wine. It, it's really, uh, it's cheap. It's like $6.99, but it's the best thing that my palate loves. So um, right now in the spirit of day drinking, I am just making sure that I get my my, my ounces in today of water. Okay. Nice. Well, that's nice. Uh, congrats on the uh, on the diet, and uh, that can be really, really tough to implement a new diet, and especially in this time where everything's disrupted, and uh, we need our outlets. I can imagine that could be a little tough. Yeah, you know what it is, but it isn't. I tell you what I did do is I did a I started a twenty one day challenge for myself. And in this challenge, I had to drink a half a gallon of water a day and I had to exercise for one hour. So today actually made my 21st day and I am down 13 pounds and five inches. So five inches. Exactly. um, I am pretty geeked right now. Like that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And was that just on doing the hour and the half a gallon or in addition to the keto, you did all that? In addition to the keto. Yeah. So I I guess, you know, what this time has really taught me is this is a part of my self-care. So, you know, really taking the time to see what works for me. So being able to combine all three. Yes, I want a glass of wine. I have not had a glass of wine since March 11th of 2020. Yeah. Pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what are some things that you're doing to distract you from missing wine and missing comfort foods? Well, I actually created, let me just start out by saying I made up my mind. So mm-hmm. during this time, I really have had the chance to do a lot of reflecting, um, a lot of dissecting of the things that I said that I didn't have time to do. So, you know, weight loss and just, you know, living a healthy lifestyle is just one of those things that I made excuses for and intentionally put on the back burner. So that was one of the things that I had already had in my list for 2020 of what I wanted to change. 
And so, you know, I just created a strategy to do it. And here we are 21 days in, 13 pounds down, a renewed mindset, just feeling pretty excited about where I am right now. So it's challenging, but I'm appreciating this time. How about you ladies? Uh, well, today, actually, I think my body's going to be overloaded with uh, wonderful nutrients. Uh, I started the day off making a sort of like an, an egg scramble with salmon and asparagus, and it Whoa. was delightful. It was just delightful, a little salt and pepper on it. And I thought I should, this, and it was easy. It was so easy to make. And then my son uh, surprised me with a um, raspberry, blueberry, strawberry, almond milk, with the little chia seeds and coconut flaked smoothie. Wow. So I'm like, I mean, I feel like I'm glowing from the inside out, you know, with yeah. all of uh, the wonderful nature. And so, um, and then I'm topping it off with this, you know, rich and voluptuous rare wine or rare and voluptuous wine. Fabulous. Um, but yeah, but I'm glad we're, we're recording early enough in the day that uh, this this half a glass glass isn't going to impact me too much. So, yeah, um, but it's, right. it's, it's, uh, it's nice to feel good, you know, yes. Emily, how about Absolutely. you? Well, I've definitely been, uh, exercising a lot in this time. I've been going for these long intensive walks, which has been really helpful to me because I'm, I'm a gregarious and social person. And since that's just not something that we can safely do right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting outside, I'm getting sun and fresh air and I'm talking to friends when I'm on my walks, I'm listening to music and keeping that energy up. And I've found that to be really therapeutic and I'm doing a lot of yoga, which is something that I've been saying for a while that I wanted to get back into. So it's definitely been a time of a kind of a me time moment. Um, I, you know, I, I think that I am, I am going to be healthier as a result of, of all of this, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ready to <laughs> Add some shake things up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what I'm curious, ladies, you're both single ladies and, uh, you know, how has this affected your dating life and, you know, that kind of thing? Portia, I know that you, you know, you're, you know, love to get out there and have a good time. What's, what's happening in your world now? You know, I am just recently, well, not well, a few months. I've been single now since last August and um, for me, it has been such an amazing journey. Um, I I was in a relationship for a pretty long time that, you know, didn't really allow me to um, be fully who I am. And I know that's hard to, I know that's hard to, you know, think when you think about me, but, you know, relationships and people, you know, have a way of changing you. So for me, since August, this has been like a new rebirth. So I am just getting back to, you know, loving on Portia and, you know, really being able to focus on things. Um, I, you know, I'm not ready to date right now, but I'm ready to play if that makes sense. Yeah, right. right. Like, yeah, I am it's just really like, nice. I just want to start mingling and having conversations with people. Um, I don't know if I can say this on here. I mean, well, this is clearly speaking. So yeah, you, 
You can say it. <laughs> um, let's just say that I have been really loving on myself. <laughs> I, you know, have just. That's why you have that glow. <laughs> really I'm just like, oh my God, Portia, you are amazing. And, you know, everything about you is fabulous. So, yeah, for me right now, I'm just, I've just, I've really been loving on myself, but. I'm ready to step out there and just have a good time. Like I said, I'm not ready for dating, but I don't know what that step is between, but I'm ready for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, having some stimulating mm, encounters. <laughs> there you go. Exactly, Emily. And, you know, is it okay for us as women to have those types of uh, feelings and relationships? Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? We're sexual beings. Yes, you know, and I think it's, it's so interesting when you, you know, often you hear, you know, how men are sexual and, you know, well, you know what? It takes men and women. So it wouldn't quite work if women weren't sexual. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the the thing is, is that as you get older, you um you come to the uh, acceptance or uh, of unleashing your sexual being and mm. and accepting that you have you have this sexy side to you, especially if you were in a relationship for a long time and that was maybe downplayed or or tampered down. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's kind of like one of the exciting things about getting free. And I'm yes. not trying to push anybody in any way. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I support people and however you want to be, you know, whatever situation you want to be in. But I do recall 16 and a half years ago when I finally became, um, you know, I was divorced, how much more fun I had in the bedroom post husband. Yeah. You Your know? sexual liberation. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I had I yeah. had some shit to to heal from. You know, I had some baggage, some sexual baggage I had to heal from from that relationship. But I certainly had a great time. You mm-hmm. know, so I know exactly what you're thinking about, and um, you know, I do too. That, yeah, that whole yeah, like in your forties, it's like some really good sex. You know, I'm in my 50s now and I look back fondly, you know, on my 40s um, at, at like the wild times. I'm like, wow, you know, now now that I'm 50, you know, I have to approach it just a little differently. <laughs> Body changes, hormone changes, you know, things things aren't just like, you know, hit it and go, bam. <laughs> like it might have been in the 40s, you know, in your 40s. So enjoy it if you're there yet, if you're 40 yet. Enjoy I am it. actually, I'm, I just turned 40 and I was going to say something about that age range. So I turned 40 of June of last year. I'll be 41 in, in a couple months. Right. And so when I turned 40, something in me clicked and it said, you know what? No, uh-uh, we will not continue on another decade like this, another year like this. This is your time to get out now. And when I made up my mind and heart to do that, I mean, the world just seemed to have opened up. And I was having a conversation with a male friend of mine the other day, and he said, man, it's just something about having sex with a woman in her 40s. And I said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's because we know what we want. We sure of ourselves. 
Um, we understand the power that we possess. We understand that, you know, who we are as a person. I was like, so you're really getting some mature stuff. I hope you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we don't even have our uteruses anymore so that that the threat of pregnancy is gone, you know, yes. like we like, and you know, or the whole idea of uh, a sexual relationship must lead to something long term is gone. Actually, we run the other way, you know. Yeah, I'm I, running. I, <laughs> I, I think there's something about it, just overall empowerment. Like you, you, you touched on it, Portia. We know what we want. And in that, in our 40s, really starts to be defined across all areas of our life. And so having that that assurance and confidence and knowing who we are frees you on every level. So I, I which I think certainly transcends into the bedroom. So, you know, I definitely found my sexual liberation when I was going through a divorce. And, you know, I was with my husband for a long time. And I've really felt like we had obligatory sex, which is such a sad way to look at it, you know. And uh, then when I started realizing that, wait, I could have sex on my terms, you know, that dramatically changed how I felt about it. And, um, you know, and as we come into age and really figure ourselves out, it's it's beyond just having sex on our terms. It's having life on our terms. Yes. Well, right. And I think I think we're fortunate to be living in the time that we are living in because of access to information through the internet. You know, um, if we are curious about something, we can search it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, you know, there's blogs, there's videos, there's, you know, experts, any, any kind of sexual question you might have, you can search from the privacy of your own home. Now, granted, Google and everybody's watching all of your keystrokes and they're keeping it and you're going to get some, you know, <laughs> some ads on your Facebook feed that are a little odd. But, you know, if you wanted to order a dildo, you didn't have mm-hmm. to, you don't have to go to the shop, right? You don't have to have any of those embarrassing moments. You can do that all from the privacy of your own, your own laptop, your, your own semi-privacy. Room. So I think we're lucky as opposed to women. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to women and men, you know, in prior, prior decades who didn't have the access to information and access to information liberates everybody. It does. I, th- I think it's, it's sad that, um, there is this stigma and shame on masturbation and, you know, going and buying uh, items of pleasure, dildos and that kind of thing. Like, it's, you know, they come in the in the black box and, you know, the, the, the magazines come wrapped and covered and all those things. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel that Again, it's that lack of information that that we're hiding it that that creates that shame. I, well, I think it's unfortunate. I think I think it's a, a, maybe a fear of an orgasm, right? You can't you can't be thinking your neighbor's getting off and you're not. You know, maybe there's going to be like a little bit of jealousy going on. You know, you see the you see the 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 non wrapped in privacy package arrive. <laughs> you're like, oh, or or it might get stolen from your stolen. porch more quickly yes. if people know it's an actual you know pleasure device. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the world would be a lot better if like, everybody happy. You know, every, Everybody orgasmed every day, right? Because then that sends mm-hmm. out like a whole bunch of positive juju into the world. So if you can have your orgasm partnered or have it solo, 
it doesn't matter. You know, it just sends out positive energy and love mm-hmm. out to the whole world. And then that, that's a, that's a really positive ripple effect. So Michelle, I, are you saying that um, unhappy people are not masturbating? Is that what I'm hearing? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 no social scientist, but I like to play one on my podcast. Um, <laughs> I would think so. I would think that they're not they're not getting off enough, you know, and or they're having really bad sex with whomever they're with. Yeah. You know. Tragedy. I mean, the thing we have to remember is you cannot orgasm when you're dead. Ooh. So you might as well have them while you're living. Absolutely. So speaking of orgasms and all of those things, as I said, I've been really enjoying myself um, (laughs) here lately. And I almost have a slight fear that I may become desensitized to Mm. a real relationship. And I'll give you a perfect example because you know, in my previous relationship, I feel like porn actually ruined our relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when um, when a person digs into the fantasy a little bit more than, you know, what they have in real life, I think that it creates a distorted view um, of, right. of how to really be able to use, you know, those avenues such as pornography and things like that to enhance a relationship instead of, keeping it private, right? Mm-hmm. And being and, and, and being sneaky about it. So I think that takes the fun out of it. But I'm, I'm having so much fun that I am wondering if uh, I'm hoping that I don't get desensitized to men in a relationship. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, there's, there's two things that I want to talk about. And Michelle, of course, I want your thoughts too. Uh, I want to talk about the porn thing, and I also want to talk about the desensitization. desensitization. So um, let's start with porn. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree with you, Portia, that if you let fantasy become the thing versus really being in the moment and enjoying the situation— if it's with yourself or a partner, wherever, you know, um, or suppose if you're with yourself, a little fantasy helps, but, (laughs) you know, uh, right. You know, um, you know, I can appreciate the concern there um, when, when porn kind of can present things in a way that's not realistic, right? Uh, You know, in porn, women are having these quote unquote orgasms all the time and, you know, loving every situation. And let's face it, like that is most of it's for men. However, I have found that there are like red tube, for example, there are some really good examples of if you want to educate on a particular technique. Like you can pull that up and share that with your partner and be like, okay, see, here's what works really well. So you can use it as an education tool, you know. I think um, about using like pornography, um, it can be, it can be beneficial to relationship. It's just when you're with that partner, it have, is that person objectifying you Mm. because they, because of the porn, you know, right. and that's, then that's the problem. It's the objectification. It's like, you're not really important to me. You're just my method to get off. 
Fair enough. I and agree. then, and women, we feel that, right? Yeah. We feel that and, and yeah. we shut down and we're like, yeah. whatever, you know, I, I've just dried up for you. You're going to have to get some lube out because I it ain't no, I'm not, I'm not welcoming. Um, right. Men, on the other hand, you know, they, they, theirs is a very visual, you know, sex is very, very visual for them and they get really turned on. I mean, we, we can too, mm-hmm. but, you know, women, if you are feeling loved, even if it's a one night stand, but he's making you feel loved or she's making you feel loved, you're going to be much more open and receptive to a, a more positive sexual experience than, than if it's like, just, you know, uh, roll over, let me smack your ass. Here I come, yeah. you know? And, uh, and then, you know, oh, 13.5 seconds later, they're like, I got to go <laughs> fix myself a sandwich. Cause that was, that took everything out of me. And you're like, what? <laughs> I um, guess I'll guess I'll get back to my shopping online. <laughs> <laughs> Time to buy another dildo. Um, <laughs> so, so on the desensitization side of things, um, is your question more of, am I going to be less susceptible to orgasms with a partner because because I know how to make it happen better for myself, or is it more like, uh, you know, using this vibration is going to desensitize me or what is your particular concern, Portia? Well, so sometimes <clears throat> I I tend to flow in the masculine in my feelings. Like I operate from a masculine space um, a, a lot of the times. Um, just, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a boss, being a woman who, you know, um, has been a single parent who makes decisions on their own. You know, I, I tend to flow um, in a masculine space. And um, <clears throat> as a woman, I do want um, to be held, loved, caressed, you know, adored, all of those things. But right now, um, I'm operating right now more in my masculine space. So right now I have a take it or leave it attitude when it comes to, you know, being in a relationship. I want to do what I want to do in that relationship um, without commitment. I want to, you know, and I still want to be loved and satisfied, but I don't want the attachment to it. So I like to call that as um, operating in my masculine space. But I feel that that the desensitization will come for me for getting used to that way of being like, now I'm newly singled after a nine year relationship and I'm feeling fancy free and I don't want to give up my freedom again. Oh, okay. because we, we associate being in a relationship as this giving up of something of ourselves. We do. And that's probably because that's what we've seen with our mothers and our grandmothers and our aunts and our sisters and things like that, our our female friends. Because when you are an independent woman, I I like how you say living in the masculine space, right? I've raised, you know, three kids on my own, single since 2003. And that can be a very intimidating uh, um, persona for some men. And the thought that came to my mind was, is that when you say, I'm worried if I'm going to become desensitized to, um, because I enjoy being myself, desensitized to a relationship, I think it could be explained as you're not sure there's another route, there's room to add another man in your life, right? Because you are, you are everything and our preconceived notions of what it means to be female. 
Mm-hmm. Does being me being female in a relationship does that mean we have to be second? Does that mean we have to subvert our desires? Does it mean we have to subvert our career choices? And you're probably and like a lot of us, we work through those those ingrained societal messages, and you're like just think about you're kind of like just moving through it, and you're when you break through to the other side. Let me know how it is. But when you break through, maybe, you know, fingers crossed, that partner who can be an equal will appear on the scene. You know, they're rare. Hopefully, as we age, more men will be available because the other women are done with them. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they probably, too, have to go through the same sort of, you know, shedding of societal uh, messages, you know, we would hope. Um, that's, that's my, that's my, mm. you know, I don't play a therapist. Um, I mean, I'm not I, a therapist, but I play one. I, I would hope that, and I know this is the ideal, but I am an optimist. I would hope that when you're ready, the right person comes along that el- you both elevate one another. So it's not a thing of you having to give up these parts of yourself that you've discovered or that you enjoy and cherish. It's it's that person appreciates you for all of those things and only makes them shine brighter. That is the ideal. Yeah. That is the ideal. But too often we get in relationships where and behaviors, right? This is what this is how I behaved before, which is really scary when you're on your trip, you're on your like your evolution and you're changing when you're like, whoa, why am I behaving the way I used to behave? Why and and you have to like stop and and reflect and go, okay, uh, I don't do you, I don't want to behave that way anymore. Do you think that those you know, when we get in these relationships that aren't right, it's it's we're compromising out of fear? You know, I'm, I'm afraid that I'll be alone. Oh, I'm afraid that, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think over the time in this relationship that those questions did come up because although, because this, this individual was a great person. Like I, I just, you know, like being a standalone, great guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Check. Um, and I think for me, that's what kept me there. Cause I'm like, okay, well, gosh, am I going to have someone that's going to still, you know, be, be able to do these things for me? So I felt like I did wrestle with that a few years in the relationship because I would be remiss to say that everything was all bad because it wasn't, you know, it's just that people grow at different levels and grow at different rates and, you know, everybody can go with you to your next level. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I just had to really understand, and, um, you know, it was a very um, amicable separation with that understanding is that, hey, you know, um, I appreciate all of those great things. Like you, you are an amazing guy, you know, but I need someone that's going to be able to help and support me on the next level and be that equal, you know, come in with those you know, with the same mindset and with the same work ethic and with the same vision, you know, for your life is, you know, so those things, a shift in the perspective is definitely um, what's needed with the elevation, I believe. Yes. A lot of time people stay in relationships because they're afraid of being alone, afraid of what it means to be truly by yourself, um, responsible for everything. 
all the bills, mm-hmm. all the choices, all the consequences of the choices. Uh, and so I've heard it said before, and I truly believe that people, um, people don't change until the fear of change is less than the fear of staying the same. Well, mm-hmm. isn't that mm-hmm. the truth? Right? That is true. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the amount of time that I was I was married or, you know, I've I've been in a few relationships, you know, where, you know, I was there longer than I should have been. And I think for me, part of what held me back was not necessarily not necessarily fear. Um, I think maybe it was a disbelief that something greater could be. Like I could think I may have thought that this is just, this is normal. This is what life, this is what it is. I, I think that I didn't, I didn't set high enough expectations for what I should, what, what life should be. Right. Like I didn't deserve anything more than what I have. Yeah. And that, I think that's a common, a common, um, I'm not, I don't want to say mistake, but a common feeling for, for women, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and probably, you know, men as well, but the whole like, well, this is the best I can do. Um, uh, being alone will be worse than, you know, than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you stay maybe a couple of years too long, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think that in deep inside every woman is, uh, is her true self. And when that, when that true self starts to break through the layers and the cracks and, and starts to you know come to the surface, it's really hard to put her back down. And, and. And you have to like honor that, right? She's come out and she's like, you know, hands on hips, you know, cape going, you know, your own superhero is inside you. And when she comes out, it's sort of like, all right, you're right. I can't, I can't be that woman again. I can't live that life. And um, so whatever's in front of me, I'll face it. Because if you think about it, you've survived something that wasn't working for you. And if you get yourself into a situation, you know, and you're on your own, everything is in your control and your decisions, you know, and you can survive that because you survived what you came from, you know? I love that image of your own superhero is inside of you. Oh, yeah. Let her fly. Yeah. Well, and like, now don't be afraid of her too. Yeah. The power. Sometimes we're afraid of ourselves, you know, like, so we won't do things for ourselves. We're afraid of being desensitized to a relationship. So maybe we won't have special time to ourselves or, you know, we, so it's, a, it's a, it's overcoming that fear because you are your own best friend too, mm-hmm. you know, you're, and your best lover. <laughs> and your best lover. I mean, don't we all wish that our lover could read our minds? Well, we can read our own minds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. I mean, I, I, I enjoy, you know, partnered sex just as much as anybody else. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that I would prefer to have solo sex, but, uh, you know, it's, it is one of those uh, fun things. Um, and we don't hate ourselves in the morning, you know, we don't, right. we don't, we don't shame ourselves. We make ourselves a nice cup of coffee. There's no walk a- of shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have to go, Whoa, what was his name? <laughs> 
did I give it? Did I give him my phone number? Oh gosh, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> None of that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, good. Oh. I'm I'm so happy to hear that you're doing these things for yourself, Portia, and that uh, 40 was kind of a catacly- catalytic or cat- yeah, catalyst. catalyst birthday for you. Um, I know that. Uh, uh, you have you spoke at a Femisend event, and that was the first time I'd heard you speak. And this is going to switch like switch topics real mm-hmm. quick, okay. but uh, but uh, it's about changing mindsets and yeah. um, and awareness. And I remember part of your your presentation was about um, uh, the struggle you had with does does. Uh, God love me or does Jesus love me because he didn't look like you? Yeah. I think that's what you said. Mm, and yeah. I remember like it hitting me thinking, I never would have considered that. I never would have considered the fact that the imagery of Jesus was always a, a white man and how that would impact a person of color. So I thank you for talking about that because it made it opened my eyes to be more aware and to have like even more sensitivity and realize how screwed up things are, you know, and, and it kind of also leads to like imagery in, in total, the, the impacts it has on people and how they feel about themselves. So, um, yeah, so we can talk about that. I, you know, I just wanted to Mm -hmm. um, bring that up. Yeah, no, um, that's actually um, one of the things that I talk about um, in that presentation. Um, it was pretty much the art of rebelling. So, um, you know, in rebelling, um, the rebel or the rebel means redefine every belief ever learned. OK, so I talk a little bit about um, and just to take it back for some of you guys don't know, I'm Portia, the wealth mindset strategist. Um, I um, work with um, individuals and small businesses, women entrepreneurs, um, just helping them to define their purpose or redefine their purpose, um, turn it into profit and live a life that they deserve. And um, for me, that played a really big part in um, what stunted my growth in my coaching business, um, you know, through my entrepreneurial journey. Um, And so in in the art of rebelling, there are three things that you must do. And the first thing is to unlearn. And so during that unlearned process, that's when I share that story, because, you know, religion plays such a huge role or your belief system growing up plays such a huge role in how you do life um, to the, in this present day. So that was one of the things that I had to examine when I was doing my self-work was really identifying what made me feel that I wasn't worthy. And, you know, when, when you follow a belief system that puts an imagery in your face of a blonde hair, blue eye, you know, individual who came to this earth to save the world. Um, and then when you think about what um, Africans in America during the transatlantic slave trade had to endure being a slave in this, um, in this system in, in America and how that greatly impacted my view on what success looked like for me. So I had to go within and do a lot of um, a, a lot of deep work um, to break down those beliefs and say, you know what? Um, 
actually that imagery isn't true. And, you know, so it took a lot of research. It took a lot of self-talk. It took a lot of um, a lot of love and endurance and, you know, all of those things combined um, to come up with the idea that, um, for one, the truth has to be told because there are a lot of us, not just myself, that have that belief system. But if you think about how society treats you know, certain individuals, um, even up to this day, because I hear a lot of people talk. Um, I do a lot of um, uh, racial work, um, okay. a lot of diversity work and conversations. Um, I'm a part of this amazing group called Touchy Topic Tuesday, where we mm-hmm. get together every Tuesday and we talk race relations. Um that is just really important for our community right now because that's what we're not saying. That's those are the things mm-hmm. that we're not talking about. Those are the the underlining deep seated um, beliefs that are held not only by black people but of white people as well. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of white people that have that that feel that they are superior. That feel that they are naturally inherent to. Um, the best things in life. And we know that that's simply not true. So um, I help people to redefine those beliefs as well. Well, even just the whole, like not being sensitive to the fact that that picture of a blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, Jesus figure would have that impact on, on a person of color. And I would say that that was probably, you know, that's, that's an ignorance. That's uh, from a point of view, probably privilege. Um, because, you know, he looked like me, right? I'm blonde hair, blue eyed. I have said that I am the second coming of Christ before. People, <laughs> people have yelled out, oh God, oh God, when we've been together in our special oh. times. But <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt grateful to be in the room hearing that message at that time because I was like, ah, oh, another another thing to be aware of another another thing to help change another another thing to, for sensitivity for to help bring you know um bring people closer together um and and when you start to read and i think the rebel your rebel um uh mantra and mindset it is uh it crosses all race all races yeah. because we all have to relearn beliefs that we were you know uh, given to us by our parents, by our grandparents, from the church we went to, from the school we went to, from the the dance class you might have been in, right? You know right. about what's acceptable, what's um, you know what, how does a woman behave? Um, what is a you know what's what's a nice girl? You know only nice girls. Oh no, don't, you know don't you know you don't want to be a bad girl. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully. With your work and uh, and working with the the women and men that you work with, we can they are also translate those mind shift changes to the younger generation so that we don't have as many people altering their worlds in their forties because they've you know they've they're rebelling finally. Absolutely. You know what? The interesting part about that is I just did a um, virtual online summit with um, a group of teenage individuals through an organization. And um, that's what we talked about. Like we had a a blunt conversation about race. There were, um, you know, white teens, Asian teens, black teens. It was about 20 of us um, in a really huge Zoom chat. And, you know, we really 
had some amazing breakthroughs and some amazing aha moments. And what I'll say about the millennials and the generation um, Zers, is that what they call generation Z? Mm. Yeah. So those, uh, were, <laughs> however they want to define themselves is fine with me. I love it. <laughs> you said, what's your preferred pronoun? So that's what <laughs> exactly. Generation Y. Generational, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, label. But what I realized is that generation is more in tune than what we, than what we give them credit for. Um, so being able to have those conversations, you know, with the, with the Zers and the millennials, um, is really eye opening because they understand more than I think we give them credit for the weight of responsibility that they have to change this, to change this world around and how we're, how we're perceiving things. So I was really, um, blessed by that conversation and being able to be online with them to, to talk about race and talk about, you know, what's going on right now with COVID and how they're being impacted, you know, by what's going on. So that was truly a pleasure. So they're actually, they're actually up and listening. They, they told me, however, that they wish that the older generation would be more kind to them. They say that we don't have respect for them. And I said, Okay, because we treat every situation like a motherly situation. I have a 24 year old son. So, you know, you likely to say something stupid. I'm like, what? Get the hell out of here. That's just stupid. You know, but they like they say with that we don't listen um, to what they're saying. And I said, I hear I you. can see that. I can see I- that. I, yeah. I would I would say that even when we were 24, we complained that the older generation doesn't listen, didn't listen to us, you know, so, um, but I don't know if we would stand up and say that, you know. Yeah, I mean, is that a question of, of you know, they're not listening to me, boo-hoo, you know, or, or is there some legitimacy to the fact that we just, we're just not respecting your opinion yet, you know, like, <laughs> Is which is it? Is it maybe a little bit of both? <laughs> I think it's a little hybrid. I think it's a little hybrid there. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like, you know, we are finally at the age where like people should be, well, we're in charge now. So <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna like lose my spot being in charge to this younger person. They have to go through everything that I went through to get in charge. When, you know, they ha- they do have great they have great ideas and and insight, you know, they're further ahead. Energy uh, and energy, yeah. you know, they've they've grown up with iPads in their hands and they were born Absolutely. with the yeah. with all that. So what they can do. Um and I guess what excites me about hearing you describe that is it it's hopeful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we're yeah. we're not we're we're not gonna be uh um we're not when they are in charge, <laughs> when we let them be in charge. Um it won't be as bad as uh, we might think, you know. I think they'll be competent, and their focus will be on. I mean, their focus is on you know bettering it for everybody, not it's just true. you know segments. Absolutely. Um, but they're respectful of segments who have been the most, um, uh, who haven't had the opportunities, you know. They want to work harder to to bring opportunities to shed the the institutional um, classism and racism that's in there, right? And just like just stop it already. I know that's kind of mm-hmm. what their their attitude is. Just stop it already. 
you know? It yeah. is. It is, Michelle. Actually, like you hit it right on the nose. And um, again, I respected the conversation so much. And I said, well, you guys definitely are paying attention. You guys are really. And, and one thing I do appreciate about them as well is they're just getting out here doing it. They are not letting fear get in the way. You know, they are doing it unapologetically. Um, you know, they are doing it unafraid. But I, as I share with them, sometimes you're doing it in a disrespectful way. And so mm-hmm. when you do it in a disrespectful way, that's where shut down communication for us. That's where the blockage comes from <laughs> for us because and we don't hear you because, you know, it has to be done tactfully. So um, but they are up and they are listening and they are, you know, voting and they're understanding what their rights are. You know, they are breaking down and seeing for themselves, you know, just like the institutionalized racism, just just how things have shaped up. So I love that they're coming from a different perspective. Um, and I feel that in a, in a lot of ways we can catch up with them, at least with the race issue and, um, you know, be more mindful and respective of their views because they're actually right. And a lot of them, you know, aren't growing up um, in Christianity and, you know, these other belief systems that, you know, that tradition has kept us bound in. So mm-hmm. um, kept kept us bound in as, as you know, within the races, but also within the genders. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Keeping them, keeping the, keepin the you know, limiting, what, limiting the ideas and possibilities for, for anybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. Mm. We have a little so more. Ma- I know here. that was That's so fa- fascinating yeah. things to think about for sure. Helping us break down ideas about everything from sex to religion. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was I did I did come to mind when you were talking about the the younger generation and their energy and the fact that they're going out there doing it and I I do remember having like like a lot of um you know I, I hope for hope for the future and uh, wanting to make change and feeling like I could do it you know we had all we had to do was keep fighting and and I hope that they are successful because as you get older get tired of the fight. Oh, you know, because you, because we didn't have, we didn't have any, like, not a whole lot of successes, you know, because, because the institutions kept, you know, we couldn't fight the institutions. Mm -hmm. Granted, we didn't have social media because if we had had social media, we might've been more successful because remember what those kids did at the park after the Parkland shooting and they put together Mm -hmm. the March for Their Lives. Yes. I mean, I have chills. I just got chills on my arms over that. I mean, what a powerful show of Absolutely. organization and communication, you know? Um, so again, they have, they have some more tools to, to organize and to rally around and to, yeah. to get the word out. Um, but I hope that they, I hope they have successes, more successes. I hope they can, you know, and with our support, we can change those, those ingrained societal, uh, methods and institutions and classism and racism so that when they're 40 and 50, they're not tired of the whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I go home, I'm done. I've been working nine to five. I just got to have my glass of wine. I I don't want to go to another neighborhood meeting because nothing ever changes. They're always bitching about something. And I just going to, I got to sit back, which I mean, 
that's the reality for a lot of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So how do we maybe take a little tiny bit of their energy and, and, and know that, okay, all together we can change. It's not just not falling on our three shoulders, right? Just us, but it can be, you know, all together we can, yeah. Work together. Sorry about that. We can rebel. And exactly. And I I was just going to (laughs) say, bringing it back. Set Um, you up. (laughs) Because it really does start with the mindset. And it really does start with having conversations. You know, like we just don't want to be honest with one another without feeling like we're going to be stepping on toes. I think there's a way to respectfully disagree. And still be cordial and still have a mutual respect for one another. That's how you build relationships. So, you know, for the past few years, um, a lot of my relationships um, has crossed um, racial barriers, financial barriers, you know, um, just so many barriers just because of being ready to and willing to have a conversation. And these aren't easy conversations, but you have to be the right individual that's going to say, okay, well, I mean, that what you just said, Portia, offended me. And I'll tell you why it offended me. And I don't agree with that perception. It's my responsibility to listen. I don't have to agree with you because I still have my own opinion, but I am going to respect your opinion and I'm going to respect how you feel about it. And then let's help, let's challenge each other's belief and thought process in a way that, you know, will keep both parties mutually respectful of one another. Yeah. Mutually open, be open-minded, be respectful, um, be receptive and be willing to grow. Right. And maybe think, I think the other thing is just because if if you if you are in a conversation and you realize that your your former belief is now shifting it's okay to realize that maybe you've been wrong or that you thought differently for many many years like don't beat yourself up over the fact that you were once you thought differently yeah or so we're be unaware accepting in yourself right, right. for our yeah. yeah for our lack of knowledge yeah you know I, I, because what what's kind of cool is you can't become ignorant again. Right. You know, once, once something has, you have a bit of education, your eyes are opened. I mean, there are some people that pretend to be ignorant um, about things and refuse to it, but, but you know that that nugget of knowledge is in the brain and, and you, yeah. and you can no longer be comfortable in your yes. ignorance. Absolutely. And then yeah. that makes a shift. That's right? it. And, you know, the next part of rebelling is to redefine those beliefs. So you unlearn, redefine, then you manifest. And when you manifest, you are just practicing it and you're living this out in your daily walk and in your daily thought process, in your daily life. But when you're redefining that, that's saying, hey, I may have been wrong about some things. You know, mm-hmm. let me take a different look. Let me shift my perspective on this thing and then create a new belief system. Um, if you don't have many black friends, get some black friends. And I'm not saying get your number count up, but start building intentional relationships with people outside of your race. 
Yeah. I'm not going to say, okay, I met my white quota of friends, my aging (laughs) quota of friends, but the relationships that I have have genuinely been built through having conversations and getting to know one another. So, you know, that's an actionable item. You don't yeah. ever say no. I already have. I already have, I already four have white friends. So four. until one, one, until one of them goes away, I can't have any more. <laughs> you know, it's one in, one out, one out, one what? in. That's how it is. I got to keep a balance, right? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, you, you one just in, one out, and six feet apart. Six feet apart. Put your phone in your gloves. No gloves either. <laughs> oh, ladies. Yeah. This yeah. has just been. So much fun. Yeah. Thank you so I much, Portia, it. for coming on the show. Yes, thank yeah. you yes. for having me. And keep up doing the amazing job that you're doing. Um, I love the conversations that you ladies have. Um, and just thank you again for having me on. Um, keep doing some amazing work, ladies. Keep the conversation rolling. You keep well, rebelling. You keep enjoying your time alone. Uh, <laughs> Do do you feel free to share with your sisters if something ha- if you come across something that's really effective and you think everybody mm-hmm. should know about it? Do be afraid. Do do feel free to share that with us. Yes, please you know, share that with our our Kitarati, You know, <laughs> well, everybody likes to know. Uh, you know, uh, when there's some good stuff out there, we definitely do. I love absolutely. It. Well, cheers to that. Thanks, ladies. What a great Thank time, cheers. Portia. Yes, Looking cheers. forward to seeing you in person soon. Yes. Take care. Ching, ching. Ching.